Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Anne Golden, General Manager for the spectacular upcoming Pan Pacific London. Coming up on today's show, Anne pitches a new movie franchise idea. The rise of the online travel agents and things. Phil lets out a Freudian slip live on the show. And of course you're getting rid of a thousand passengers. Getting rid, that's a bit harsh. And we learn that both Anne and Phil might be Jurgen Klopp fans. Yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp needs to write a book on leadership. No, I think he needs to run the country, Phil. All that and so much more as Anne walks us through her story and journey to date, as well as giving us some wonderful insight into the magic we can expect at the upcoming Pan Pacific London. Don't forget to give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we're back in London and, well, we welcome someone who has been tasked with leading one of the city's highest profile openings for 2021. Delighted to welcome to the show the General Manager of the Pan Pacific London, Anne Golden. Anne, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Good morning. Really, really uh, happy and honoured to be here. So looking forward to the chat. Oh, you're, you're very, very welcome. How are you doing? Doing really well, actually. Yes, we've had um, a good week. We've had some wins this week, so it's exciting. Great. I think uh, we'll, we'll take wins in any form uh, at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. had a, a really great Friday last week where I, I ended the week on a, on a major high. And then on Monday, I had to have a conversation with HMRC, which was yeah. a real low. And I think that's just the way of the world at the moment. Some highs, some lows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. I agree. As long as we're fit and healthy, then I think everything else just is a bonus, isn't it? Absolutely. So where in the world are you at the moment? I'm at home in Finchley. And as you can probably tell from my accents, I'm uh, originally from the northeast of England, Middlesbrough. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, for my sins, follow the football team. Wow. How, how so... have you done this year? <laughs> Not that great. Oh, okay. We can move on. <laughs> no, we can move on. We can move on. But my second team uh, did considerably better because they're Liverpool. And ah, so, um, well, that's my yeah. team as well, as you can probably tell from oh, my accent. There we go. <laughs> 45 minutes of football coming up now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so back um, at home, we decided about 10 days before the official government announcement to work from home if you can we moved everybody to a remote environment I think it's fair to say that uh, you can't really class it as working from home because few of us have young children not not me uh, mine's grown but uh, dogs uh, Amazon parcels you name it so I think you, you deal with a lot in this current situation yeah so I think everyone's done incredibly well uh, I have a team of 21 who are little superstars for what we've achieved during this this period yeah well there's no playbook is there on, no, on this it really isn't it's a purely reactive uh, solution driven environment that we're in at the moment and I think you'll well you'll probably you'll be one of a handful of GMs in the world who can add pre-opening and COVID at the same time uh, experience on your CV. Well, hopefully we all get together and have a party on it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, quite something. I think some of the sad things for me are that, you know, the, the 21 of us have never been in the same room. 
really? uh, we had a number of people that actually came on board. No, we didn't interview anyone during this period we had interviewed previously, but the timing of their, you know, working notice, et cetera, yeah. timing of their appointments meant that they've, they've come on board during this time. So I think that's quite alienating, isn't it? You know, you, some people live on their own in the right. team. So you're staring at a screen of what is largely strangers on your first day. No one's made you a cup of tea or yeah. you know, done all the awkward introductions and you're just there. Yeah. I think these these guys are rock stars, aren't they? You know, they've really got their heads down. And um, we've, we've done the archetypal drinks sessions on Zoom. Um, yeah. We've even played games on Zoom with, you know, mixed success. We've done wine tasting, chocolate tasting, but it gets old after a while. Really, you do. You just want to be in the same room or just go to the yeah. pub together to start I, building yeah. that that team, that team I, spirit. Really, I don't think. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I think that the actual face to face goes beyond the screen. I think oh, it, you know the the human contact. I think we we're all realizing now. I hope that um, you know it just it can't replace it. It's uh, it's functional, but it's nothing more than that agreed i think again i i'm sure lots of people will agree that you know everyone has really uh knuckled down and I, i've just started reading on on linkedin actually articles saying that uh fatigue setting in which i i actually think for my team fatigue started setting in about three or four weeks ago right where it was almost like an this great adventure wasn't it shared adventure in the beginning and we were all doing it for the greater good yeah and high level of motivation and I think we're all still motivated but you can see there's a bit of uh, fatigue now yeah. you know we, we just want to get back on site so we are starting to uh, we've got a couple of the team are on site this afternoon we've got um some of the guys are on there now, just looking around. And this is the, can you imagine you've, you've accepted a role to open a hotel that you've never even set foot in? I know. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I'm just really happy that they've gotten to do that today. Yeah. So uh, we're going to start moving a couple of people into the office on a rotation basis. We've made it safe now, but right. we're just being really, really cautious about that. Yeah. Um, but that's on the an, thing, on isn't a it? Need, on a need, if you need to, if you need to meet someone or whatever, we're, we're saying, you know, yep, sure, work out of the office. But yeah, well, you, yeah. you have to respect everybody is on a, a very different path in terms of safety perception with, with this. Aren't they? I mean, some people are very relaxed and probably by day become more relaxed. And I probably class myself in, in that category. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I respect anybody's wishes who is still facing a little bit of paranoia with the the you know the the virus situation I think you've got to respect everybody's wishes on that front yeah absolutely and I think people calculate risk in different ways I mean it does run broadly along gender lines but also outside of that you know there's people who have uh, a sheltering people at home that perhaps you know so nobody really understands everybody's circumstances completely so no. I agree on that. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'm going to move on because uh, I don't want to make this about that that nasty little virus. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we'll come on to the, the Pan Pacific London in a lot more detail uh, as we get through the chat. But before we do that, I'd love you to kind of go all the way back to the beginning of your career and kind of just, just walk us through 
your your life and journey. Okay, thank you. It's a little unconventional, and in an attempt to make it um, more interesting, I'm going to say it all started when my flatmate Greta broke her arm. We were working in Guernsey, probably been there for about uh, two seasons, had decided that we wanted to shoot over to London um, in the closed season. Uh, she was from Ireland, so had relations in Kilburn. And we were going to stay there, uh, get jobs if we could. But on our leaving party, things got, uh, let, let's say, um, a little raucous and she ended up uh, breaking <laughs> her arm. Um, so she didn't, she didn't make the trip. So I came on my own and therefore decided that I would look to see if I could get a hotel, a hotel job. Because at that time, this shows my age, accommodation came with a lot of positions so walked into Connections, which was then based in the Regent's Palace. It was the Forte Recruitment Centre. And um, I ended up with a receptionist role at Strand Palace Hotel. And I, I think the rest is history. I think one of the biggest, I, 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 I learned such a great lesson there, which is, you know, never be afraid to make mistakes. And I made so many mistakes just didn't seem to be able to do corrections and adjustments on our PMS system, which at the time was Carahost. I'm sure there'll be some audible groans out there if there's anyone listening <laughs> <laughs> that was around. And, oh, my God. Carahost. It was um, a bit tricky. And I'd, I made so many mistakes that I ended up staying behind when we got new people because I had done everything that was possible to do, realized how to fix it. And so was able to show them how to get themselves out of these uh, situations. And that led to my first promotion, which right. uh, I became a supervisor. And I think that was honestly down to the fact that they saw that, you know, having done everything silly there was to do, I, I was sort of the best person to um, teach the the newbies. So that, that was a big bonus. Well, you clearly... Uh... You you learned, which is the critical factor, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in in making mistakes because we all make them at, at any level, top to bottom. But if you're um, if you're not learning, you're not moving forward, are you? And no, um, not. yeah, and clearly you had the attitude to do that. And some people just accept that they can't do it, and then say, "Well, that's not for me," and move on. But clearly, that was different with you. Yeah. Well, by that time, I'd completely fallen in love with hotels. You know, so it'd gone right. from being a means to an end you know that's a busy uh, hotel as well oh it's crazy I mean uh, you know I can't, I'm not going to bore you with all the anecdotes but for anyone that knows that hotel which I, it is will forever have a piece of my heart it has I think about 300 single rooms or did back in the early 90s so you'd be faced with all these people coming down for a romantic uh, weekend with their partner, coming to reception to check in, and we would actually split their room into two singles right. um, because we'd be overbooked on doubles. Um, so that was always a great shift to get. Look forward to that Friday, conversation. Friday morning shift. <laughs> and sometimes they're on different floors, which became a bit difficult to sell. Uh, but I think it, you know, I, <laughs> it built up your resilience. You had to have a really good sense of emotional intelligence, actually, because you had to be able to read people and see what it was, if you were delivering bad news, you know, what it was that would make it slightly more palatable for them. Yeah. Um, so I learned so much there in, you know, in that sort of environment, 
with really great teams around me. Some some people that have gone on to do some really great great things in the industry. Mm. So I'll you know forever be grateful for that experience. And and you know what we just laugh. You know it's so much fun. Really great team spirit. Yeah, well, and that accounts for a lot, doesn't it? Uh, it you really can get does. you can achieve a lot more with a, a great team spirit. I just want to give a big shout out to Forte as well, because the, the Strand Palace was part of the Forte group. And at that time, Forte comprised of around about a thousand hotels worldwide, I think, including all of their brands, Meridian and uh, Heritage, etc. The training was so good. And I think, you know, if you if you talk to old timers like me, they'll they, they will cite that as being something that really helped them in their career, because, you know, having left school at 15, not going to college, not going to university, not not going to hotel school, you are pretty reliant on the training that you receive. Yeah. You know, once you you've joined an organization, so you know, I mean, it was it was very very good. I mean, at the time, you know, you'd be like, oh, rolling your eyes, God, not another training course, yeah. <laughs> and you'd do anything, you know, fake death to get out of some of them, but. Um, you know, looking back, I mean, you know, how spoilt were we, you know, that those were in the days when people were willing, you know, they had these big training teams and personnel as it, as it was called then, you know, you, 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 you had that, that advantage, I think back then. Yeah. And I'd, you know, I'd like to see that come back more, you know, I'd like to see more money put into training, training our teams and not just expecting them to, um, to, to know how to deal with people. Yeah, do you know, this yeah. is something I actually saw happening uh, in front of my eyes before this all kicked off in March, was I, I was seeing a trend for a lot more companies bringing more internal focus on that rather than relying on external trainers to come in and just do ad hoc you know, training. I was seeing a, a real trend of more and more in-house training and development teams being put together. I think from a real practical perspective, it just made sense because back back in March, which is all so long ago, the biggest problem in the industry was finding people. So yes. how do you yeah. fix that? Well, one of the ways is look after them and hopefully they don't leave. And then you've got a, a much better workforce that are more engaged with what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So I totally got the reason why, but I think maybe this will step us back a little bit as budgets are cut on the other side of this but um it was happening yeah i also learned as well if i jump forward a number of years to working at morgan's which was just incredible is actually telling people why you do things so morgan's was is no more sadly but was the original uh boutique and lifestyle hotel company founded by ian schrager of studio 54 fame and it very much really colored the whole way I think about the hotel industry now. But one of the things that was most impressive was that, you know, they they would tell you why you had to put the furniture back in a certain way. It wasn't just, you know, make sure the furniture looks like this. It was like, this is why we do it. Yeah. And each of the hotels had an ethos. And you, would, you wouldn't do show rounds or site visits, you would do ethos tours, which weren't pointing out pieces of architecture within the hotel, unless you're actually explaining why they were there, um, you know, and how they added to the overall concept. Yeah. And I think, 
that's that led to a, a highly engaged workforce in all of the hotels you know huge family of like-minded sort of people it, it attracted a lot of creatives we had a lot of actors artists you name it people who were working either part-time with us or you know getting time off for auditions and things like that so mm. it, it it was just a, a a very rich environment and I think a lot of that was driven by us all having this uh, shared vision and mission yeah which which came from the founder in, in in the first instance Ian and his passion for all things entertainment lobbyists socializing this was a this had been a new concept so it was just it was very exciting and exhilarating yeah and I, th- I think to imbue people in this, you know, with this common sense of purpose, we used to say, you know, each of us have got different roles, but our mission is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're working in the kitchen in stewarding or, you know, whether you're director of sales and marketing, your mission is exactly the same. Yeah. Well, everybody so, needs everyone else. You, ab- um, absolutely. You can absolutely. deliver a, a wonderful plate of food, but uh, if the, the team are not delivering it in the right way, out front or that's not been marketed correctly or it's not been costed correctly there's so many parts of the jigsaw isn't there that uh, that have to come together no uh completely and as i say you know very very blessed to get that opportunity to go and work at morgan's overseeing the region for them here in in london you know still have huge network of contacts from that time all of which have pretty much gone on and done great things so yeah it's it was definitely a lesson in in how to create a culture yeah um really really great experience you did jump forward quite far there (laughs) (laughs) um give us a a kind of a a, a snapshot of of what happened between strand palace Uh, and how did you end up there so we we zoom back to the 90s um (laughs) yeah God. Yes. So I transferred to the Cumberlands, which was um you like the big hotels, don't you? A bed factory, as we used to call it. Yeah. And oh my God, the anecdote. So, you know, we used to get again, we would overbook. That was a strategy back in the day. I'm sure you remember those days. Yeah. And you'd have uh, guests who desperately wanted to stay at the hotel who you would you would book out and to, you know, non intents and purposes, you were sending them to a, a much nicer hotel, if you like. Mm. You'd put them in the taxi, wave them off, come back to the front desk. And then literally maybe an hour or two later, you'd see them trying to check in again with their vouchers. <laughs> um, and you'd just be like, oh, my God, like, you know, we're never going to get through today. Yeah, so, well, I mean, it was incredible. Bedrooms. Yeah, thousand bedrooms. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. what check-in and well actually do you know what I can because I, I used to work on cruise ships and so we'd have turnaround days is what we called them mm-hmm. and you'd have we would have uh, about a thousand passengers come on and of course you're getting rid of a thousand passengers getting rid that's a bit harsh uh, <laughs> disembarking a thousand passengers on the same day as well so you've got to get yeah. all of them out all of the luggage out and then the, the the next batch for want of a better word on and it's relentless for eight, nine hours straight. Mm, yeah, it is. And I, I and I think that thankfully the hotel industry has uh, moved on from from the sort of 
mass overbooking strategy that some hotels employed. And I think we're a much more sophisticated industry now. But I think, you know, we, we followed airlines, haven't we? And, and airlines used to do the same thing. Do you remember? You'd yeah, be yeah. in the airport and they'd come down the line and say, who, you know, who wants £200 not to get on this flight? So I think that that was a moment where, you know, that that strategy was being employed across the airline and hotel industries. Now, as I say, we're, we, we are way more sophisticated. I did venture away from front desk and into reservations and these this uh, again showing my age for those of you out there that remember the world before revenue managers when we as reservations managers actually used to do all of the forecasting and make all of those revenue decisions so that was an incredible experience because doing that for that that much inventory yeah led to all sorts of um, mini catastrophes and um <laughs> but also successes so yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know I learned such a lot doing that I actually decided that I wanted to move into sales I'd gotten very involved because of the generosity of a lot of the the sort of directors of sales at the Cumberland like, taking me along on the fam trips and you know just explaining that whole world to me so I did I did go into sales which I absolutely loved uh, such hard work very much maligned I think you know people think it's all quaffing champagne and you know going <laughs> glamorous sales trips and uh, you know I mean let you know let's tell the truth yeah I mean there are some glamorous sales trips but I mean a lot of it's you know trudging around various countries just in in meetings you could be anywhere yeah I remember I remember once going to ATM out in um, Dubai and I can honestly say apart from just walking down the street to get to one appointment I I was not in the sun the entire time I was in Dubai you were either in the convention center or you know in appointments and then got back on the plane and came to London so you know spending a week in Dubai sounds really glamorous but yeah I can I can relate to that really hard work it can be really hard work as well I did um, ATM a few years ago I think it was the year that I got my Fitbit which was a good time to have a Fitbit when you're going to ATM because yeah, all you really seem to is. do is walk. And there was one time that I made it outdoors, apart from kind of leaving to get into a taxi, I decided to walk from the Armani Hotel to the, the mall. In principle, looks like it's around the corner. It was the sweatiest 10 minutes of my <laughs> life. Yeah. And it wasn't even, you know, it's not the hottest that Dubai gets. It was about 30 odd, no, you know, as opposed to 40 odd. But yeah, it's um. But yeah, on any kind of sales trip, you are, well, you're there, there for work, right? First and foremost. I mean, we've had some great fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's been some like incredible anecdotes. But you know, as I say, I think it, it. I think it's fair to say it's not all that. You know, you've got. I can remember sitting on the plane back from India, spending the whole flight back writing up my report, and just you just realize how much you've achieved in 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 a week um mm. how, how many people you've actually seen that took the entire flight back but yeah I'm very very grateful for those opportunities I then decided to get back into operations and yeah. wanted to become a what was then called a resident manager which is sort of the deputy GM position um yeah. which is now hotel manager 
Uh, so I, I left Forte and went to work for Thistle. Another really great experience. Again, great training, great people, great teams. Sort of worked as a hotel manager in a couple of hotels there. And then moved into leisure sales right. and headed up what was then sort of the e-commerce section that was just sort of coming into play with the rise of the online travel agents and things and yeah. just uh, running that section there, which was fantastic. And then moved to, got the opportunity to go and work for Morgan's. Um, so at the time that was Sanderson, St. Martin's Lane. So that was a huge culture shift. Yeah. And one which took a little while to get used to. Right. But was an incre- incredible, incredible journey. Yeah. Loved it. How long were you there for with, the, um, with Morgans? Over 11 years. Was it really? My yeah. goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, and these sorts, sorts of stints end up, I suppose, defining you a little bit in terms of the, the marketplaces that you're known for and, and all of these sorts of things. I'm sure they don't define you as a human being. But I, I suppose, how do you, having had these kind of dips out of operations and into reservations and sales, do you think that that, that I mean, I, I can't see that this wouldn't be a, a yes to the answer to this question, so it's probably a really <laughs> crap question, but do you think they make you a better general manager? Oh, well, I, yes. I think that any you know any experience that you gain on your journey to becoming a general manager is vital yeah you you do see things from other other people's point of view I think you understand how hard these other roles are and it gives you a good commercial grounding for sure you can have you know semi-intelligent conversations with your your team knowing that you know you at least understand their perspective on uh, certain things and I, I do I do think it, it makes you a, a, a much more well-rounded just in the way I think if you come up through food and beverage as well and you've, you've you know you've, you've been on the floor you've been a, a you know maybe a, a, a supervisor and an assistant manager etc mm. it gives you a really good grounding which is not to say that you know if you come straight from hotel school and you know you're lucky enough to make it up through that way I'm not saying that that that's a disadvantage but for me I think it definitely has helped help me understand more about how to you know better myself when it comes to leading teams yeah 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 so well that brings us up to to where we are now so just talk us through the the pan pacific if you will uh, and just a little bit more about what that's going to be Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I'd never really, I'd never really heard of Pan Pacific Hotels Group. Uh, so that was a good place to start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I think, you know, I think that's part of the attraction because the team we're not just launching a new hotel in the city, and they're quite rare, but we're also showcasing the brand into Europe for the first time. Right. So, you know, big responsibility and very, very exciting. Pan Pacific London is a mixed use development. We have 160 residences that sit on top of the, within the tower, the tower is uh, 42 levels. And yep. we go up and include 
floor 19 and then above that is the apartments which are not serviced they're owned their own apartments right so that, that makes it really interesting we have also a heritage building within the hotel which is devonshire house and devonshire road that was built in 18 about 1876 a beautiful victorian building i'm sure you've, you'll have passed it many times yeah on your route home so that's great we've got this you know the architects have done an incredible job of marrying the two designs together the beautiful sort of doric columns of the victorian building the devonshire house with this stunning metallic and glass structure which which houses uh, the main part of the hotel but we also have a ballroom which is accessed by the pavilion the glass pavilion on the plaza can you believe we have a plaza we're so so blessed um huge sort of sense of arrival as you walk across the plaza towards the hotel yeah Um, and then the arrival experience down to our ballroom is via the glass pavilion on the plaza you then have the choice there's a glass elevator or you can go down the escalator to reach the 400 seater ballroom below so yes we've got we'll have two restaurants we've got two um, bars we have a well-being floor, which in, encompasses a 18.5 meter infinity pool, along with uh, treatment rooms, obviously a gym. We have sleep pods, relaxation pods. If you arrive early and your your particular room isn't ready, then there's shower facilities. You know, you can go have a sleep if you want to. We'll look after you up there. Brilliant. Yeah, it's um, we've got a mindfulness studio because it's a well-being floor. So that encompasses your mind as well as your body, which is all important. Steam room, sauna. Yeah, it's a really beautiful facility up there. We've got more meeting rooms on the third and the fifth. Oh, and, daylight. Oh, um, uh, yeah, daylight. Wow. Yeah. Uh, great views as well. Our bedrooms don't start until the sixth floor. Right. So even if you're on the lowest floor there is, you, you're looking at rooftops yeah. and um, across the plaza, beautiful church and the gorgeous building that houses our neighboring hotel which is the andas you know so it's it's a really lovely part of london actually yeah yeah Uh, very exciting no absolutely and how do you because it's pan pacific's first foray into to europe let alone london how do you go about putting something like that on the map yeah, well, we very much uh, want to amplify our Singaporean heritage. We are first and foremost a, a Singaporean brand. So we want to bring a slice of Singapore to London. And modern Singapore has so many facets and we want to try and introduce some of them through our culinary choices. You know, we're going to have a great restaurant on the second floor, which is going to be heavily influenced by the type of food that you would eat in Singapore. So right. watch out for some great, great dishes there, inspired by the Straits of Malacca. We have fabulous cocktail bar housed in Devonshire House, which will have great Asian concepts and uh, some fabulous drinks there that will you know, really highlight and showcase the different ways in which cocktails are approached in Singapore. It has a fantastic heritage there i mean if you look at the world's top 50 bars there's um i think there's about four from singapore you know right. atlas manhattan native um jigger and pony etc 
And, you know, the whole way that cocktails are, are approached is slightly different. So we'll be bringing some of that to London, which I think is going to be great for those uh, drinks fanatics. You know, I think most importantly, what we are attempting to do is we first had to really seek to understand what true Asian hospitality means, um, mm. you know, breaking that down and then ensuring that we, we hire correctly. Yeah. And we're looking at lots of different attributes. So, you know, let's take it for granted that if you're applying for the job, then you, you, you know, you're going to be a good match for that role. You know, you've got the requisite skills, but we're looking for people who are very people focused, have passion, dedication, positivity and, and humility, because I think for any of you that have been out to Asia and been lucky enough to experience the hospitality out there, you'll see that there's a good dose of humility, uh, mm. a very humble approach to hospitality and service. So we, we, you know, we first had to understand that. And they sent uh, myself and two of my colleagues out to Singapore for four weeks to, to really experience that firsthand. And um, we were so blessed. And I'll, uh, again, be forever grateful. They sent us during the Singapore Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, um, timing. That has to have been one of the funnest weekends of our lives. We, we just had a blast. And I think it just showcases the way that Singapore do things differently. Uh, yeah. That's a night Grand Prix. It's you know pretty much the whole of Singapore gets involved, the whole city, you know, big music concerts and parties and things like that. So even down to the kind of plants that we'll have, in the hotel wow. uh, where we can we'll be growing the, the plants that will that we can possibly grow here ingredients that you know asian ingredients we've got our two fantastic chefs that are on board at the moment we've got um lorraine sinclair our um, executive chef who has worked for more than 25 years in asia and has an incredible bragging rights having been the first executive chef in I think more than five different countries in her career and then we have Cherish Finden who's one of the world's best pastry chefs she's joining us as executive executive pastry chef she so they're going um, really looking going to farmers and and trying to have them grow the ingredients that we need for the wow. dishes that we'll be preparing because sustainability is another big piece of what Pan Pacific hotels are about yeah we have the in uh, Park Royal Collection Pickering, we have the world's greenest city hotel. So we have that distinction. Mm. And we're currently building a hotel in a forest in Singapore. So, right. yeah, so it's a really interesting company. I can't wait to open the doors and people come and discover more about the brand as well as this particular hotel. Yeah, lots of great stories. Yeah, I, well, I'm one of the people I can't wait either. As, um, at Liverpool Street being my mainline station, it's uh, I'm super excited about um, about coming to 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 try out your wares. Perfect. Look forward to greeting you there. So we're hopefully opening. Well, we'll be opening early next year. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, along with everyone else that's opening at the moment, that's been pushed back. Yeah. Uh, for obvious reasons. But yeah, I think next year is going to be a really exciting year for openings. We've got quite a few going on in the capital, so it'll be good. Yeah, well, and that's the the thing, right? You're coming into a competitive marketplace, so you've, uh, I suppose, you've got to find your points of difference. But it sounds like you already have some 
very interesting points of difference. Yeah, I think I think you know if, uh, there'll be a lot of people who haven't been to Singapore, and um, you know I I don't think unless you've been, you realise what a, a crossroads it is, and how people that emigrated to Singapore brought their own uh, cultures and heritages there. So you ha- you just have the most rich, diverse culinary experiences. It is actually, I think, one of the only places in the world, or maybe the only place where street food has won a Michelin star. Yeah. There's all, you know, the um, hawker centers. And this is where people just might create just four dishes, but they, they do it day in, day out, and it, it perfect them to such a degree that um, some of them win these accolades. So it's a really um, interesting place. And we're, we're bringing the best of that and then marrying that with everything that our corner of East London has to offer, which yep. is a lot, a lot of really rich heritage in the city of London, but also in East London, a really great, exciting area to be um, landing in. So, yeah, Looking no, absolutely. Well, I mean, that the uh, I think the last time I was in London was probably March, actually. <laughs> I can imagine that the building looks a, a little bit different than it did at that point. It does. I mean, we we've we've lost the um, the tower crane and the the you know the all the hoists. So now the building is unencumbered. The tower, so you you see it in all its glory. Mm. It's actually won four design awards already. It's won off it's plan. Not open. It's not even open. No. <laughs> so the architects PLP have done a a, a great job there. Very sympathetic. Uh, um, sort of to the existing Victorian building and you know double height floor to ceiling windows in all the public areas triple height for the ballroom and then floor to ceiling windows for the guest rooms with just really beautiful views over the city wonderful Um, yeah so yeah do you were you fortunate enough to get involved early enough to to have some influence in uh, not the specific design, but in terms of the conversation as yes. to yes, yeah, well, was. talk us through yeah. that, because I'm sure that must be really interesting and helps um, you, I suppose, yeah. feel like you're you really are part of this. Yes, the, I, I've been just so lucky, um, probably in some ways had what attracted me to the role in the first place was that you know, they were very honest at the interview and said, look, you know, we are on the other side of the world. So we're looking for someone that is happy to work on their own in some ways, obviously supported by the team in Singapore. But so that has given me a lot of autonomy. I was able to come in and change their thought process a little bit on the food and beverage outlets. So, you know, we've gone kind of almost full Asian style. I feel that that was important to get the sort of the authentic voice of the brand across and so that's been just such a privilege to to really format that yeah lots of being able to work with the team at Yabu Pushelberg who are our designers as you know we, we sort of uh, put the final touches to the designs has, has been incredible as well mm. so yeah I, I came on board in July 2019 so yeah, Blimey. Came, in, came in at a great time when there were still decisions being made. So right. it was good for me personally. But yeah, I, I hope that I hope that, uh, you know, the decisions that we made were right. But I, I feel I feel that they are. And I feel that uh, people will engage with, you know, what we've what, what we're going to be offering. 
it's just so excited to uh, open the doors. Can't come soon enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, I wish you well with with that for sure. And as I say, I can't wait uh, for it to, to open so I can come and have a nosy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, well, you've been in the industry now for, for a couple of years. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> From your from your time, give us a, an example of, of a funny story that's happened to you in your career. Wow. Well, well, you know, in hospitality, there's almost like an unwritten rule that you can't kiss and tell. Yeah. But yeah, so unfortunately, all the best stories really probably can't be shared. Um, I did, as I say, spend, you know, more than a decade in uh, lifestyle. So you can just imagine some of the shenanigans that went on there. Yeah. But no, we used to we used to get lots of famous people from all different sort of industries staying with us. We regularly had uh, we had little gnomes. I don't know how well you know St Martin's Lane, but we had little gnomes that were little stools in the lobby, um, oh, and they yeah. yeah they'd regularly be stolen by our guests in a you know sort of a drunken caper, and then they'd be returned to us. They'd come back in a, a, a taxi. A taxi would turn up. Um, and the cabbie would get out and go I've got delivery for you it would be the gnomes come back with a little note attached that happened lots of times right yeah we you know we just had a lot of fun I remember during the Olympics we were we had a sellout of both hotels uh, Sanderson as well and um, given that the nature of the business meant that you know buses would arrive and, and take almost the entire content of your guests off to the Olympics and then, you know, we were all there left. Um, now, what do we do? So after after you'd done all, you know, the housekeeping, et cetera, et cetera, we decided to have our own Olympic and we, we, we split everyone up into departments, even with like medal ceremonies. And But to, to try and um, cut down on uh, craziness, you know, we would have things like form javelins and um, we would do it in the car park, right. have all these activities. But, you know, we had we started getting injuries because people are so super competitive. You know, we have people like breaking their wrist during the egg and spoon race and things like that. So we had to close <laughs> that down. But, um, yeah, lots of um, exuberance, you know. So we'd, we'd be hard at it doing our own little Olympics while all of our guests <laughs> were out at the real Olympics. Like, like I say, even the medal ceremonies, we had so much fun. Yeah. And then um, they'd all come back. We probably, in, on some occasions depending on what what events they were going to see probably have more fun than them but yeah I mean look they uh, just it, hospitality is is fantastic I think one thing it does is imbues everything with a sense of creativity and fun you know we've made sort of films for you know sister hotels opening all over the world which have in- included the whole team and yeah. staff parties in hospitality are legendary aren't they they um, certainly are. You know, so we'd have like crazy themes and Halloween parties. And I think that's what, you know, it's it's interesting. I will, I'll go back to your point earlier on when you were saying that people who are outside of the industry don't see the appeal. I think if they knew the half of it. Yeah. I think it's a best kept secret, really, is just. That's not a great just, way of summing it up, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know how much fun we have. And I think. You know, I think the the naysayers, I think they look at it and think, oh, well, it's not, you know, it's not it's not uh, a, a, a career choice that's going to get you anywhere. But I mean, look at the within hotels. I think one of your previous guests said it so succinctly. Every possible profession exists in hotels. Yeah. You know, and I think there is such 
such professionalism. You know, yeah, sure, we party hard, but we we work hard as well. Yeah. But I think the difference here is that it's it feels like more of, more of a family. Yeah. And I think that that's what keeps people going when the hours are long and um, you're faced with um, tricky guests, etc. Yeah, I, um, I think this is. Um, yeah, I think I've spoken about this before with someone else as well. Is that you? You know, the the hard work does not define the industry. You you work hard in any industry if you want to move forward succeed yeah yeah and so you know the, the perception that this is a hard-working industry yes it is but they all are so you know kind of get on with the hard work or you'll just spend your life waiting to catch up yeah agreed yeah I, th- I think that yeah, I think the thing with hospitality is as well that it likes to give back so I think some of the charity and CSR initiatives that you see our industry get involved in is second to none yeah i think that's the the probably part of the the dna of the industry though isn't it is is that we it's a giving industry you're you're giving service over to to people and that just if you're really passionate about that then that comes across in everything that you do yeah i mean i've got an ex-colleague at the moment who's just walked from uh zurich to geneva to raise funds for hospitality in india has been really badly hit right. by uh, covid19 yeah. So, you know, just selfless acts. But I think wrap the whole thing up. I think, uh, yeah, so many funny things have happened. Unfortunately, as I say, lots of them can't be repeated. Yeah. But the the level of fun. I mean, when we worked at Morgan's, fun was one of our seven core values. So I used to say to the girls, my, my kids, you know, go and work for a company where fun is a core value. Yeah. You know? It's uh, it's important because people work harder when they feel ah, totally you know valued. And it's not um, this is the the thing for me that you know you can have all of the academia in the world to get you wherever you want to go, but actually these are just fundamentals for life. We're uh, we're a long time dead. It's a an old cliche. I can't get through a podcast without throwing a cliche in. So <laughs> there we are. That's that's today's. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's true, you know, we're, we spend an awful lot of time at work. If you're not enjoying it, then you've got a question, is this the right career path for me? Uh, but equally, you know, it's it's for the businesses and the people who run these businesses to make it fun. And we're all going to have days where, you know, you, you just want to crawl under a, a carpet and just, you know, be, <laughs> be lost forever. Yeah. That's inevitable in any job as well. But, you know, they as long as they're not the norm... They are the exception, but also when they do happen, you take massive learning from mm. the moments that you're out of depth. Definitely. And there's so much support yeah. in hospitality. You know, people, great mentors, fantastic support networks. Yeah. So I think it's um, an industry that just gets gets under your skin and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make real progress with just by having a, a good work ethic and a good attitude. Attitude is everything. We hire for attitude yeah. at Pan Pacific. We, you know, you'll appreciate this because we're Liverpool fans, but, you know, Jurgen Klopp came up with an incredible quote, which I'm, I'm probably going to murder, so I'm not going to try, but it was just <laughs> when, when Jordan Henderson received PFA Player of the Year, he said, you know, it's, yeah, sure, this guy's talented, but it's attitude. You know, without attitude, you've, you've just got talent forever. Yeah. You know, it's That's very so true. true. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp needs to write a book on leadership. 
No, I think he needs to run the country, Phil. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll go with that. But it, you know, the underlying thing, and I'm not going to talk about Jurgen Klopp forever, although I probably could. <laughs> probably could. The the one thing I always love about him is that when people ask him about what's your secret, you know, what's what what are you doing that nobody else mm-hmm. is doing, and he always says, "I'm just being myself." I know, love that. I, I can't do anything else, and I really, really love that. That's somebody who's found their place, yeah. I think, and hopefully will be the Liverpool manager until the end of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But the well, football fans are a fickle bunch. I remember when uh, Liverpool had a, a, a wobbly moment in the season and you go on to five live call-ins and there's people calling for Klopp to be sacked and you just think, oh, come on, get a grip. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I know. But that's passion, isn't it? It overspills, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I I always used to say that um, hospitality was quite like football. Um, you know, if hotels are not doing well, then they sack the GMs a bit like they do yeah. in football with the managers. It, you know, there was a lot of parallels. Yeah, but um, no. Yeah, I well, I'd, once again, I've gone off point. Uh, another overriding thing that happens on each podcast, <laughs> but there we are. Um, have you ever had a, a moment where you've felt so far out of your depth at the time but you now look back and think wow that was that was a hell of an experience yes lots I think I'll go back to what I said before I think in the beginning you know coming you know if you don't go to college university hotel school fine you know most of the time I think that that's there's that's no impediment I think there are certain times when when training or the theory of commerce or business or, or just the situations that you could find yourself in would really help as a backup and I think there's been lots of times I mean probably one of the scariest moments that I had in my career was the night before the Olympics it seems to be a bit Olympic themed doesn't it but yeah. uh, we actually had a bomb alert at the hotel and the police arrived and they identified a, a motorbike that was in the car park could have a device and I said, okay, should I evacuate the hotel? And they said, well, that's entirely up to you. Oh. I never felt so cut adrift. Yeah. They said, we can't make that decision for you. Uh, you need to make that decision yourself. Goodness. We, uh, I know. Yeah. And um, I, that was, that was a scary moment. And I kept asking them in different ways, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If I reframe this question, they'll give me the answer that I want. No, just lots of times where, I mean, when I first started at Morgan's, I actually really stupidly ignored a great piece of advice from a great friend and mentor of mine, which was, look, just be yourself and they'll love you, you know. And I, I was probably too intimidated to be myself. Right. And so really, I think... That led to a really bumpy first year, which I could have avoided right. if I'd just taken advice. But I think sometimes, you know, I think sometimes you just so far out, out of your comfort zone that you just can't do what you know is the right thing to do. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, there's been lots of those times. But I think yeah. the old much cliched, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is true in part. And I think that you do... You, you can then look back and say, well, that wasn't the end of the world, was it? I did get myself out of that. Or, you know, you and, and that gives you comfort. Yeah. 
So I think this is where experience comes in. Yeah, totally. And well, and we come back to our current situation where nobody has any any experience of this, but we all will now. Mm. You know, uh, uh, if we have another pandemic uh, or a second spike or whatever, then you know we're all just a little bit more prepared. Yeah, and it's now in our, our psyche a little bit more than it was perhaps before. I agree. I mean. Going back to Pan Pacific Hotels Group, they are an Asian brand, a Singaporean brand, and they actually have experienced, um, not on a global scale, obviously, mm. but uh, SARS for one. Yeah. And they were very quick, you know, before the prime minister told us to work from home, they were like, you need to work from home. They sent us all care packages with masks and you know, sanitizer, et cetera, thermometers. Right. You know, I've, I've got to say to anybody who will be coming to the hotel when we open, please rest assured that it's been, you know, the, the processes that go into the kind of hygiene regimes and things have been blessed by our, our Singapore team. So they have a lot of experience yeah. of that, which which you, you could see how different, differently they approached it and their tolerance of risk was was much less than what we saw here in March when people were like oh you know it'll be fine they they didn't think that at all you know they were very much don't take any chances so I definitely think it is there's no substitute for experience yeah absolutely but you can only get the experience by stretching your comfort zone yeah. And and then consolidating the learning. I think that's probably the, the key thing that not necessarily everybody does. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Definitely. Great stuff. Okay. Well, what would you say to, to someone who was considering a, a career move into hospitality? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd just say, you know, that, you know, it's the greatest show on earth, really. It's the best. Oh, fantastic. That might be the best line we've ever had <laughs> to that question. Well, it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, it's... it's Definitely the best family of passionate creatives. I mean, also lots of trips to the pub are thrown in along the way. (laughs) I'll reiterate, it is the best kept secret. I think people outside of hospitality just don't realize how amazing it is. It's it's a professional environment. I think that is a reassuring fact, um, one that people are not potentially aware of. Yeah. Hugely rewarding. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, you know, I would encourage everyone to do it. Because especially if you have a, a, a good level of emotional intelligence, I think you'll succeed. Yeah, I think that's that's a key point. And actually, you're a, a real case in point, as you, you highlighted all the way back at the beginning, is that, you know, you you didn't do especially well in school. You haven't had a, a, an academic career. And yet look at what you're doing. You know, you've you've led strong brands and businesses for a, a huge number of years now. Sorry, am I allowed to say a huge number of years? I just realised that yeah, might be absolutely. quite offensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there is no clear and one single path to succeed. But the one or, well, the, the two or three things that, that you need are attitude, emotional intelligence or common sense, I suppose, equally mm-hmm. as, as, as a sort of byproduct of that. And, and work ethic. Yeah, work and ethic. The world is Definitely. literally your oyster. Yeah, and just be prepared to laugh at yourself because if you don't, everyone's going to do it behind your back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. a good sense, a good dollop of <laughs> of humour really does help, and it also breaks down a lot of barriers. 
yeah you can learn and and teach a lot of important lessons by uh using humor yeah because it's a great leveler people don't feel threatened by it yeah 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 absolutely i couldn't agree more no that's great Okay, so if people want to learn more about you and Pan Pacific, what's the best way for them to, to get in touch? Uh, probably, I would say LinkedIn, or the website. Uh, we've just, another big plug, we've just done a, a, a website update today. So there's some, uh, some more images on there, some more information. Uh, you could find me, there's contact pages on there, uh, GM, Pan Pacific London. Uh, I actually saw that and I thought, Good on you, because there's um, giving direct access to to the GM is well. There's quite a lot of companies that are a bit precious about that. Um, oh, it's but, been you know, brilliant. It's been brilliant. Yeah. I've had some. Oh my God, we've had some great stuff come through that. Really? Yeah, it's been. Uh, we've, we've had lots of great CVs uh, for really interesting people come through. Yeah. Not not as much solicitation as you think you think that you know you might get bombarded with companies but it's been very thoughtful but we've we've had some really great stuff come through there so I would encourage everyone to do that and also when you answer back they and they see that it has gone to the GM and the GM's answering back I think then it starts a a really good dialogue yeah yeah well and if it's not for now it's maybe for some time in the future right Mm. yeah for sure. Has anybody sent you a, a TikTok video yet? Not yet, no. Okay, I'll get on that now. Thank and, you, uh... Phil. I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, I still haven't been on TikTok once, so I, um, oh, I'm God. not giving in. No, me neither. No, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think just reaching out to people, I think that what's been proven over the past couple of months is that the human touch is more important than, you know, now more than ever so yeah. the, the more technologically advanced we become the the more we're going to crave that engagement the little human stories and uh, touches that you can give so um yeah. we've, we've definitely learned that yeah brilliant yeah. well thank you very much for for spending some time with us today it's been uh, a pleasure to chat oh it's been my pleasure and, uh, well i'll i'll be popping in for a coffee when uh, when we can uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see your property. Thank you, Phil, honestly. And sorry, I, I probably keep inter- <laughs> interrupting you. No, uh, it's been been a real pleasure, a real pleasure to chat to you. And thank you so much for the opportunity and really looking forward to showing you around. Fantastic. Take care. We'll see you soon. And there we have it. An excellent career story from Anne with some amazing snippets of advice. What an amazing project the Pan Pacific looks to be. I, for one, cannot wait for it to open. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share where you can. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.